Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. With one of the best savings rates in America, banking with Capital One is the easiest decision in the history of decisions. Even easier than choosing Slash to be in your band. Next up for lead guitar. You're in. Cool. <laughs> yep, even easier than that. And with no fees or minimums on checking and savings accounts, is it even a decision? That's banking reimagined. What's in your wallet? Terms apply. See CapitalOne.com slash bank for details. Capital One and a member FDIC. A little Stevie Van Zandt during summer vacation time. This is Pat Prince, editor of Goldmine Magazine, and yep, it's summer vacation time. It's a time during the time of pandemic too, um, where there's mostly staycation. That's an at-home vacation, and I will be taking one of those. And because of that, our guest interviewer Ray Chelstowski, a Goldmine contributor, will talk to Stevie Van Zandt for this episode of the Goldmine Podcast. He talked to little Steven over the phone about the new release, Rock and Roll Rebel. It's a box set by little Steven, 13 CDs, which covers the early work and individual CDs and rare concert films. And it collects the Rock and Roll Hall of Famer's solo records between 1982 and 1999, including newly remastered editions of six albums, Men Without Women in 1982, Voice of America in 1983, the popular Sun City in 1985, Freedom No Compromise 1987, Revolution 1989, Born Again Savage 1999, and four discs of bonus content. In addition, Men Without Women, Voice of America, and Freedom No Compromise will each be joined by an exclusive DVD featuring a classic full-length live concert video from the same era as the albums. Okay, well, Ray will get little Steven on the phone, and there's a little pitch in Steven's voice um, on the phone connection in these pandemic times. It's hard to do in-person interviews, so please bear with us. But it's slight, and the interview is so good that you'll want to hear it. The interview centers, again, on the box set. Here's the interview. Enjoy. I'll be back next week for the Goldmine Podcast. Hey, Steve. How are you doing today? Good, man. Good. 
Hey, so I'm, I'm sitting in front of this incredible box set that you put together, um, and I can't believe how much content's in here. I will tell you that it's kind of like the, the kind of set that someone would put together when they're ready to hang up the cleats, which, which I hope is not the case with you. Uh, but, uh, you know, what, what, what prompted you to, 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 to decide to, to undertake this, this, uh, this uh, initiative here? Well, I was just trying to get everything out, you know. I, I haven't had anything out in, in, in decades. And um, this last three years, uh, was this kind of like this accidental reconnection to my own life's work. And um, uh, really turned out to be the most productive three years of my life, really. Like five album packages. And... Um, and you know, at the same time, I I just have never really had remastered the catalog or, or you know done any of that stuff. So I was just kind of way behind on everything. And um, so at this point, you know, we just said, look, I'm kind of back into this thing, and, and um, let's get everything out, man. Let's get everything out that we possibly can. So so um, you know, I started a little bit of a search. You know, a couple of my friends got involved and going through some, you know, vaults and closets and, and <laughs> two shoeboxes full of cassettes, you know, <laughs> and, uh, you know, they found like, you know, 50 extra tracks or something, and, uh, you know, but uh, the main thing was just to remaster the whole catalog and get it back out on, on vinyl, and, and, and it's all coming back out on CD, and and then I'll just, you know, just get everything out pretty much. So, so did you so, know, did, um, did you remaster everything? Did, is this all, um, did you take another look at all this stuff? Um, sorry, what, what, what's the question? Did you, did you take a new look, a fresh look from the, oh. remaster everything? Yeah, yeah, I, I kind of, you know, went through it and, um, you know, I, I, it was really, the revelation took place, you know, three years ago when I, when I, at the first rehearsal, I mean, literally, this this cat, a friend of ours in London, just just you know, out of the blue, said, you know, throw a band together and, and play my blues festival, and um, you know, I just decided, wow, that you know sounds like fun, you know, and, and um, you know, and, and before you know it, you know, one thing led to another, and. Uh, you know, that, that, that first rehearsal was, 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 you know, just playing my songs for the first time in 20 years. I realized, man, you know, the stuff is, it's different, you know, it, 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 there's something different about it. And uh, I kind of had created my own, you know, genre in a way, my own subgenre and, and of this rock meets soul thing, you know. Yeah. And, uh, you know, and, and then, you know, of course, my other records, all my records were different, but, but but I was particularly taken with the first album and, 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 and that, you know, the, the sound of, you know, the horns and, and you know, com combining the rock guitar with, with horns and uh, that we had, you know, created with Southside Johnny and Yadbury Jukes. And, um, and I, I just felt like, wow, you know, this stuff has value. And, and uh, I, sh I shouldn't really have abandoned it, number one. You know, I should have I should have hung in there and, and uh, continued to, to, to write and, 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 and make records, you know, and I just got, I got sidetracked, I started acting, and, yeah. and Bruce put the band back together, and, you know, 20 years went by, just like that, yeah. and, and uh, so, 
Well, I, I, I have to tell you, I, it, for beyond being a big fan, and you know, obviously, I did my blog after after Disciples, but the, um, I, what I used to do, and this this might sound crazy and weird, but you know, going to used record stores, I, I, I was going through my albums today just to go compare the albums to, you know, what I'm looking at here, and I would buy if I saw a copy of any of your records, I'd buy it because you couldn't get; they were no longer being issued. Some of them you couldn't get in CDs, and I didn't. Right, you know, I didn't. Right. I didn't foresee this happening. And what's what's really interesting to me about about this package, um, and, and going through it because it's really like it's a real treat to, to to tackle it is that your albums always had a lot of content to it. Like you know, downloading your your music um, really you're missing the whole other experience of the liner notes. You know, I, I was showing my wife last night on, on Freedom No Compromise all the recommended reading that you put in there there were, I mean there was it was much more than just the musical experience and and I think that having the ability to look at it this way here brings that back to life for people and um and for people who might have had the records and got rid of the records it's a it's a way to revisit that and so I think the packaging really you know brings it to life in a pretty cool way so I'm going to start. I'm going to start with the first. I'm going to start with the first record. And the last time I talked to you, I told you that I have the press kit. I bought it at Amoeba Records in L.A. Uh, for your first record, and it came with a uh, an article from the L.A. Times. It came with this uh, little uh, short story called "Waiting for Little Stephen." Comes with the poster. Comes with a copy of the album, and there's a press sheet. And the press sheet is called "The Writing on the Wall," and it says. Music critics were right about the Rolling Stones in 1963, Bob Dylan in 1965, and Bruce Springsteen in 1975. It's 1982, and this is what critics are saying about Little Steven and the Disciples of Soul. Uh, Rolling Stones said, what can't be denied is Little Steven's fervent intensity as a singer-songwriter. When he sings, he's talking about a life lived for music. The Times said, an album of uncompromising, passionate rock and roll. And I think the, the, the best quote was from the, the Bergen record that says... Uh, the premiere release of Little Steven and His Disciples of So is so perfectly constructed and performed that it just about defines what rock can still be in this day and age. You know, looking back, the, the, records, the record continues to be heralded as one of the best records of the 80s. I know that when I was at Rolling Stone, it was always on our, 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 our best dub list. When you were making that record, did you, did, you, did you know what you had? Like, as you were recording it in the studio, were you like, yeah, this is really something? Uh, I mean, uh... The first record was was you know particularly weird because I, I I did the whole thing in one day <laughs> and it, uh, it was just like uh, you know coming off we're coming off of um, this experiment we did with 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 Born in the USA um, where you know we were really going for a live thing in the studio. You know, think, thinking back now, I mean, there's no real logic uh, to, to doing this. I mean, there's no real reason to do it. But we just kind of got into this thing where, you know, let's see how, let's see how what we can do. So the, um, whatever was on, I don't know what kind of born you would say. Is it, is it like 14 tracks? I don't know how many tracks it is, but like, like whatever, 11 or 12 of the 14 tracks were when I was still there producing it. And, um... And they were done like really live, and I mean really live. Like, like if Bruce wanted to sing it again, we played it again. That's that's how live. Wow. <clears throat> yeah, it's just you know, and, and again for no apparent reason, really, just you know, mm -hmm. just fucking around, really. So, anyways, 
was still in that frame of mind and um, brought this, you know, whatever it was, 11, 12-piece band in and and, uh, and we formed the circle and, and uh, put the speakers on in the studio, no, no headsets, and literally did the whole album from beginning to end in one day. That's unbelievable. Uh, I, I then, you know, I came back the second day and said, well, let's just do it again. So we did the album, we did it again the second day. took you more time to make those coats. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, so with that record, you started something with these with these albums that I, I, I find interesting because it's in this package too. Uh, this whole thing of having posters inside, and that you know the, the the liner notes were that you know that started off as a you know one side as being a picture and liner notes, and then its other side is a collage, and then each one of the other albums had it. And it was kind of cool the way that they reproduced them, obviously smaller. But, you know, what, what was whose idea was this, that this would be in, in all these, these early records of yours, some kind of, um, you know, collectible poster inside? I don't know, really. That was, I, I really don't know about that. I, I, don't remember, I don't remember talking about it or thinking about it or, or anything. Um, must have just been a record company type of thing, I guess. Uh, I don't know. Really hadn't, I really haven't thought about that at all. I didn't remember them even existing, you know. Um, but we wanted to, you know, try and reproduce it, you know, pretty much as accurately as possible. So I think that wasn't really, you know, wasn't really that, that big a deal. So the uh, all these bonus tracks are there. It's it's like there's so much here um, to mine. And when I first looked at it, and I saw that you had so many versions of vote. Um, and you know, uh, let me see your ID, and 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 then the other a bitter fruit. I was like, hey, how different are these really going to be? But they really are different. Um, yeah. Did, was it just with those songs that you decided to do? You know, you took a lot of different approaches, or is that a sampling of, you know, you, something that you did later in your career, solo career, where you took a lot more takes of of, of tracks and, and experimented? Well, there was a, you know, at a certain point. Um, Right in that, yeah, right in that 80s period, you know, there's just a lot of that whole 12-inch thing, you know, started, and uh, um, it, it was, you know, again, just experimenting, really, um, with sometimes different ideas of, uh, I, I, didn't, I, didn't, I didn't bring in a whole lot of other producers, you know, but I would occasionally bring in, you know, somebody to 
see what they had. They had a different, a different idea, a different take on something, you know. Um, and that was uh, again just kind of experimenting, expanding the, expanding the artistic horizons, you know, maybe for a certain, a certain song, you know, some, some songs let, let you know let, let themselves to doing that more than others, you know. And um, of course, with, with the Sun City stuff, you know, Arthur Baker was, you know. Uh, was involved, so 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 Arthur, uh, you know, Arthur was taken off in different directions, and um, and I was encouraging it because we were we were creating an album, and an album kind of uh, grew organically out of that one song. You know, it was a very uh, fascinating experience actually to 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 witness it because it was we didn't intend to do an album at first. But, you know, people were coming in and, uh, you know, we wanted to feature these, this new thing called rap, which uh, the industry was really uh, trying to squelch. You know, they weren't, they weren't, was not interested in any of the, any of the early rappers and uh, the, the real, you know, the real industry guys were like, you know, waiting for it to go away and uh, were questioning even why I would put rappers on a record, you know. Of this, of this magnitude, you know, this kind of sophistication and magnitude, and and uh, and and I, I was like, listen, this is, you know, this is the most important, you know, development that I, you know, for, for for black artists that I've, I've seen in my life. I mean, the first time black artists are expressing themselves, you know, I mean, yeah. Marvin Gaye had to fight for it, you know, Stevie Wonder had to fight for it, and. Uh, you know, there's a couple exceptions to the rule, like Gil Scott Haley or, or The Last Poets, but mostly black artists were not encouraged to express themselves, and this rap thing, I think, is a really healthy thing. So, you know, so we put, we, we had them on there, and, and then they, they would come in, and, and, you know, we realized, wait a minute, you know, we could only use them for a line or two on the actual single. So uh, we started saying to them, listen, just make up something, you know, about South Africa, whatever you want, you know, and, and then and then we'll figure out what we'll do with it later. So, you know, Melly Mel, you know, went went to another room, came back fifteen minutes later and did this amazing rap about it and uh and then Arthur Baker, you know, just started we started, you know, doing these montages and uh, uh putting drums to things and, you know, experimenting with different uh until we had like a crew, you know, Arthur had like a whole crew of drummer, you know, drummers and bass players and, you know, uh, you know, people just were, were, were around. And so we, uh, we really got into it artistically and just uh, suddenly, you know, and then Peter Gabriel came in and, and you know, they started doing this chant thing because all we had was a, a log drum doing that beat. And, and so people, you know, would, 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 would work with just that. You know, that's what everybody played to, you know. Uh, and, and including Miles Davis, you know, he came in and, you know, he plays for five minutes and I can only use him for 10 seconds uh, on the record. I'm like, I'm not leaving five minutes of Miles Davis on the floor, you know? That's right. insane, you know? So, you know, we brought in Juan Carter and, you know, Tony Williams and uh, Herbie Hancock, you know, and uh, created, you know, a song for Miles, you know, and created, you know, so, we, you know, one thing led to another and, uh, the creative process, just, you know, we had these people coming in for like one or two lines and then we just expanded that. I mean, what, what I think is like, let me see your ID to me 
um, really it should be the song that people look at instead of Walk This Way as the first marriage of rock and rap. I mean, I think bringing in Peter, uh, Peter Wolf into that track, is it was brilliant. I mean, the way the whole thing with Gil Scott Heron and he and all those rappers, I mean, it, 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 it snaps together so tight, it's, it's incredible. I know the first time I heard there was trouble in the Middle East, I thought they were talking about Pittsburgh. Let's get down to the real nitty-gritty Talk about the crimes in Sun City Let's get down to the real nitty-gritty Talk about the crimes in Sun City A city of diamonds city of Yeah, thank you Yeah, we were really quite proud of that And, uh, you know, that, that that's where, you know, Arthur was just like Really, you know, at his peak of, of creativity And, uh, you know, and again, we had all these, you know different voices and different ideas and, and we uh we said we're gonna find a way to marry this together because you know it's just uh it, it was an opportunity that you know that was not going to come very often and so we uh, we really made the most of it i think and uh how did you yeah. how did you get like it always the thing that always amazed me and i, I remember watching this and you know, i always say that about this record i think you got more press than you got airplay uh, and I remember Rolling Stone covering it regularly uh, in their news and notes about the, it's, it's starting to happen. They're starting to come in. They're in the studio. They're, they're filming the video. Um, but I was always amazed that when you compared this to, you know, We Are the World and the lineup of artists, what you were able to pull together. You have world artists in here. You have rappers. You have jazz musicians. I mean, it's, it's such an eclectic mix. Did, was it, did it just organically come together, or were these people that you already knew and, and kind of pulled into the process? Well, it was a combination, because we, we really, um, you know, we didn't, we made a list, you know, and, and, and I wasn't going for just the biggest artists. I wanted artists that had said something with their work, you know, artists that just felt like, felt like you know, that they were, that they, that they were really engaged in some, in some, some issue or another, you know. So we started with that. But then, you know, it came down to, like, who had their phone number. <laughs> you know, it was like, it was, you know, I, I don't know why we didn't, like, think of going to, you know, managers or publicists or, or record companies. I, I, I don't know why. We just felt like it was kind of an underground thing in a way, you know. You know, And, and we felt like managers and record companies are just going to turn it down. You know, this is going to be, like, it's not going to be good for the artist's career. You know right, what I mean? right. And uh, so we were kind of like on the down low in a funny way. So how did anyway. so I, 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 I had never heard uh, Cerrito Nights before. Why didn't that make the record? Was it just you didn't have the, it wouldn't fit? Because it is a beautiful, beautiful jazz track. Yeah, that, is, that, is, that was one of the great finds of this whole thing. Um, I don't know. And, you, know I, you know, I think um, I just got lost in the stars a little bit. But, but we, yeah, I mean, they, you know, keep in mind now, this is, uh, I'm not even sure if CD, you know, we were doing CDs really yet, you know, it was no. kind of vinyl, right? Yeah, yeah. You know, so, so, you know, vinyl did have its limitations, you know, keep in mind, you know, so, um, yeah. we, uh, uh, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. So we, might have been, it might have been that, or it might have just been, um, something that, uh, you know, got lost, you know, because... There was a lot, of, a lot of craziness going on, you know? Yeah. Uh, so let me ask you a question about this, about, you know, this record, and I guess the records, uh, you know, your records from this period, Freedom No Compromise in particular, you know, I, 
there's a lot of social a lot of social political messaging in those uh, those songs, and you know it, it makes me wonder a little bit today with how many voices are on social media talking about any number of issues in any different position. Do you think it's harder for music politically to get that message out? You know, because it's competing with so many more voices. Well, um, geez, it's, a, it's a kind of a complicated question because. Uh, these days, it's very hard to, um, the politics are it's just, it's a different time, you know? And, and I think most of what we were dealing with back then was so much behind the scenes, you know? It was like invisible, you know? And, and, and so we felt really a need to try and, and, and bring some, some attention to these things. You know, there was no other way. You know, it was really, it was, it was important to shed some light on, on, on what was going on. And, uh, and now, you know, and everything is just so upfront. There's nothing. There's nothing being hidden. I mean, you have a, you know, you got a government bragging about putting kids in cages and kidnapping them and losing a few hundred. And you know, and you know, and they and they and they, they, they you know, they're trying to just you know, doing that intentionally to deter immigration. You know, I mean, what do you say to that? I mean, you know, I mean, you're gonna you're gonna start talking about politics. It seems redundant. You know, it's like. True. Yep. What, you know, so you know, there's no, there's nothing, there's nothing really hidden going on right now. It's, it's so upfront. So I think that's part of the reason why you're not seeing a whole lot of political music coming out right now. Is it, honestly, it just feels redundant. You know, it feels like what are you going to say that they're not saying about themselves? You know, right? So, I think that's part of it, man. It's a, it's definitely different. The other thing that, that your 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 box set made me think about uh, was, I thought that those DVDs, particularly the two European ones uh, from those TV shows, were fantastic, and the sound was. I was surprised at how great it sounded, and it reminded me of the fact that there's nothing like that left on on anywhere that you can just go like see these kind of broadcasts. Like I, somewhere here, I have uh, Southside Live from the Agora in 78 and it was on a local Cleveland TV show and I, I, I thought it was really entertaining the sound quality was great and it's something really missing it was uh, I mean, those are real finds did you, did you know you had those yeah that, those had actually come out you know the guy who ran the thing Peter Ruscio was a very very good friend of mine and we stayed friends all those years we, we just lost him like last year yeah. uh, it was the most amazing TV show in history I mean Live to like seventeen countries, you it's know, incredible. from uh, eight o'clock at night to whatever six in the morning, whatever it was, you know. And uh, there's never been anything quite like it, you know. So I did it twice. So we had those, you know, and they, and they filmed everything as you did it. So yep. you know, we were able to put them out. And then uh, the third one uh, from the Ritz was it was a Japanese broadcast. And so we caught that one too. So the first three albums and the first three tours all have DVDs, and, and you know, and they're all really you know good quality. You know, they really are. I mean, I I almost wish you, you had an accompaniment just for the audio too for it. I will I will say that when I saw the when I started watching the one from the Ritz, I was like, how long can he keep all these clothes on? Like, how could you possibly play rock and roll with that huge coat and all that stuff on? Like, he's gonna have to take that thing off. Uh, <laughs> and at the end of the show, it's like you're like like Lewis at the end of the telethon, right? Ties off, sweating. I mean, it was it was that was pretty 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 cool. Um, so the uh, 
one of the things I want to ask you is, is you've got some uh, those clips, which I'm really happy you do have on here, are some of those Hungerthon tracks uh, with Vince, Vince Kelsa. And um, I was wondering, how much of an influence was Idiot's Delight on, you know, what you're doing in satellite radio? I thought it was, I thought his radio show is the best one in New York, maybe around the country. I got so many music leads out of that, that show through the years. Uh, yeah, yeah, no, those were wonderful days, you know, to, to grow up with, you know, when DJs had all that freedom, you know, yeah. and uh, I'm sure, I'm sure, you know, I'm sure it was a, an influence, I mean, everybody I listened to, of course, was an influence, uh, I kind of, um, I kind of combined FM and AM, you know, if you will, by having, uh, you know, basically it's a rock and roll dance party, my, my thing is to, uh, Keep, you know, keep the song short, you know, so that's a little different than the FM thing, but uh, it's, uh, it's it's kind of a, you know, I play mostly fast things and I play mostly short things, but they, but basically it's a combination of the FM sensibility, which was talking about the records, you know, which was important as for my format. I wanted kids to realize that this stuff doesn't fall off trees, you know, mm-hmm. but at the same time, it's kind of a fast-paced, almost an AM, an AM pace, you know, with with an FM sensibility, you know, and uh, so it's kind of a combination of the two, you know. Yeah, I mean, it's 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 a it's a programming format that's very hard to find anywhere. You know, I I, I look at it. It's it's one of the things I always wondered. You know, like Paul Weller, who who I, I like quite a bit too. You know, he he put out a couple collections of songs he curated that were like lost R and B and soul classics. I, I I always feel like there's there's there should be more of that from 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 folks that are just you know exposing people to music that that they hadn't heard of before and and and, and the stories behind them. And I think your radio show does that really well. Yeah, I, that's my my both both of my formats are all about you know both the. The underground garage format and the outlaw country format. You know, we're trying to do exactly that and make sure you know future generations have access to the greatest music that was ever made. And uh, you know, I call that period you know fifties and sixties, the early early seventies, a Renaissance period. And I mean it. You know, I'm not I'm not just using those words. I mean, best music in the world, the best art being made in the world, was also the most commercial. And uh, I'm not going to see that again. Now, I just, I, if you, I literally just finished, I can't believe it took me this long to read it, but I just finished, um, Here Comes the Night, the book on Burt Burns. Uh, great book, great book. Great book, right? And, you know, it's it's really incredible when you look at how quickly a Carol King or a Doc Pomus, uh, these guys could just churn out, like, classics, you know, could do it in a couple hours, and... and the craziness of the business that was around them, right? That the business was, you know, it was a little, it was a little dirty, um, but they created these magical things. And uh, oh, I, love, I love that period. That's my favorite period of time. The whole real building thing was just, uh, you know, if I could have lived in any time and been part of anything, it would have been that, you know. Yeah, yeah. It's it's really it's a, it's remarkable, and it's even like in 1650 Broadway. Was just another, you know, factory yeah. of just, just all time classics, you know. Yeah, yeah, the two buildings, and, uh, and there was even a few in the 1697 as well. But, but yeah, and, and you know, have you ever seen the Burt Burns movie, the documentary? I haven't seen it. No, I'm done. Oh, I'd like to see it. Check I like, that out. It's, it's. I, I, I'm, I'm just so amazed by some of the stories, like 
the the drifter story about how Doc Pomus wrote last you know, save the last dance for me. Yeah, while he was yeah, wonderful. I mean, wonderful. just unbelievable. Hey, yeah. so talking about this, the one thing that is is really incredible about this 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 mix, not the the studio stuff, but your bonus stuff, is how few covers there actually are. The fact that you had so much material here, and this you know that the you got only a few covers uh, included here, just shows how much material you actually created yourself. Yeah, I, I wasn't really conscious of that, but I, I, you know, I guess that's true. We got a, you know, a couple, couple things in there. You know, couple. Because we found a, a wish, a wish it would rain, right? And uh, yep. that, that was a nice, nice find. You know, I forgot about that completely. Oh, and the, the version that that you did of "Who Told You" is unbelievable. should you really should that that was really clean and 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 raw and it just works yeah some kid had a cassette player in the audience man you know that was the south side giant the kid that was the, 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 the blues duo that uh me and south side had for a while and uh yeah we found uh richie russo a friend of ours uh, uh some guy who had uh recorded it happened to be in the audience and and recorded it and uh well, talking about covers, I mean, it's um, it's probably like the ultimate uh, compliment, right? But you you've you've had other people sing your songs, and you know the one that I the one that I was curious about is how it, uh, Jackson Brown came about recording "I Am a Patriot." That was just you know we were we were hanging out, and um, um, it was a surprise to me. You know, it was a wonderful, just an honor and a and a, and a surprise. And uh, you know, uh, we, we were we were um, we took a you know we. we did a couple things together, and, and uh, we went down to, to Nicaragua together. You know, at, at that point, I, I was really conscious of writing political music, and, and he was about, he was, you know, his next album after that, you know, with, uh, you know, Lives in the Balance, you know, he, he was, he would start writing political music as well, and he, he kind of gave me credit for inspiring him, and, and so it was, uh, you know, at that point, in other words, he, he was extremely active politically, as, as many people were, you know, um, much more than me, you know, talking about, you know, Bonnie Raitt and John, you know, um, uh, you know, Graham Nash, uh, um, John Hall, you know, uh, you know, a lot of people were doing a lot of things, but, but, um, but, but you know, not, not that many people were writing, writing about it, you know, you know, there's been a handful, a handful of political songs through the years, but, but, uh, Nobody's really doing politics full time, you know. And, and I thought, you know, that would be my identity because I grew up at a time where everybody had to have a distinct identity. And um, I was like, you know, the world does not need a bunch of love songs from a from a side man. So, so you know, I better have some, you know, rationale for, for doing this, you know. I, you know, and so to justify my existence, I just became the political guy. Started writing political music, and so Jackson really. Um, I think he might have done, I don't know if he did Voice of America first or Ryan Patriots first, but he did both of them. And, uh, man, to have, to have a, a, 
legendary songwriter like that do one of your songs. I mean, two, two, two of my songs in that case was such a surprise, you know, because, uh, you know, my stuff's very personal and, and uh, I never really, you know, pictured it, you know, being, being covered by anybody. I mean, it's just, you know, my own personal stuff. And uh, I was like, wow, man, that was, that was, uh, that was a, just a knockout. One, one of those, you know, no, that's one of the great, greatest moments of my life, you know what I mean? Somebody, somebody thinking so much of me as a songwriter, they would, they, they would do that. I was like, man. That's it's just wonderful. Yeah. What what I think is uh, I'm looking at the liner notes uh, the the for the for the bonus section, and what I think is really cool about this is it does sort of t- it really does tell the arc of your your musical path from this period of time, uh, in a really cl- interesting way. Kind of you know because so much of the sounds are so different from each other, even from uh, you know. Uh, songs like Out of the Darkness to the stuff that's on Freedom and Compromise to what you did acoustically. Um, but you, you wrap it up with an acoustic version of It's Been a Long Time, which is like almost poetic. It's a really, I thought it was a really cool version of that song. Making up the rules as we went along Just one coat between us And we never felt cold Was that intentional to, 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 to end the, 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 bonus, the bonus set with that song? Yeah, uh, thank you. That was actually um, Steve Berkowitz's idea. He was he's one of the, he's, he's the guy who you know uh, put the whole thing together really. And uh, you know he, he he says he's always talking about me doing acoustic versions of my songs. He says because you know I'm such a crazy arranger and producer. You know he says you know people sometimes forget that you're a songwriter. You know? <laughs> <laughs> so, I think that that version, you know, of I Wish It Would Rain is a, is a cool, cool version. And I agree with you. Rusty uh, Cloud's piano is just fantastic uh, in general. Yeah, yeah. Like, really He's a great, great, great piano player. Really great. Yeah, the real, I would say that from my perspective, the the, the best track, and I'm, I'm probably going to go into this um, after after our call and, and cherry pick and, pick and just make a, a mix of this, but my favorite track is... Uh, is really that version of uh, revolution that's that's uh, it, you know it's it's like the George Clinton version of that song. It is so funky and hot and and that's unbelievable. <laughs> 
is just it's just so really interesting it's also interesting to like listen to the the songs that that were songs you did with the jukes when they were you know this was during rehearsals and the song was in development and the lyrics weren't all there it's uh it's kind of reminds me of of you know the the box sets on the river and darkness with bruce where some of the songs really took different shapes and forms from what the original version is having that stuff is is uh you know still accessible and playable is pretty cool yeah 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 you want to give people you know an idea where things come from and uh, uh do, do as much as you can with that because that's you know i think people are you know they wonder about the process i think you know so you want to you know yeah I got one last question for you. Got one last question for you, and I'd be remiss if I didn't ask you this because Goldmine is a cult, you know a collector's property. Um, do you collect? You know, I had heard one time somebody told me that Gary Talent and, and Southside have a shared record collection that's among the biggest in the in the country. I don't know if that's true, but um, curious if you collect and if you do, you know, what are you always on the lookout for? No, I really don't. Um, I don't collect anything. You know, I, you know, until I got this box set, I didn't have my own records. <laughs> so, you know, <laughs> another good reason to do it. You know, so yeah. I can actually have a copy of my own work. Um, no, I really, I, I, I just don't. You know, I, I um, my version of that was. Uh, you know, taking Lee Dorsey and Ronnie Spector out of retirement and put them on the first Jukes album and and reuniting the Drifters and Coasters and Five Statins on the Jukes second album, you know, and uh, me and Bruce working with Gary U.S. Bonds. That's just great. You know, the Darling Love album I did a few years ago. You know, that's my that's my version of collecting, you know. <laughs> <laughs> um, I collect people, not, you know, records and, you know, yeah. It's a way, a way of saying thank you to those artists, you know, for giving us uh, so much. Uh, and those early pioneers, man, you know, they're the only generation that got screwed, you know. Out of, yes. And, 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 you know, ironic, it's so ironic, because without them, you know, none of us are here, right? And, yeah. and uh, you know, none of them made any money. And, um, it was, you know, it, that's, I was really surprised about, like, I, I you know, I kind of intuitively knew that through time. But in reading that uh, Burns book, I was amazed at how little money so many of these people made. I mean, it was it just it's, it's just shameful, you know. Uh, you know, you know. Uh, yeah, it, 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 but the, the worst part was, you know, once the British invasion came, '64, you know, the unintended consequence was they put all their heroes out of work. Yeah, and you know, and that that was the. That was the worst part, you know. It wasn't. It wasn't so much the, you know, the early con 
companies taking the money and all that stuff. That, that's, that's, a, that's a complicated issue that's actually a separate issue. Much more importantly than that was that they, they were, they were, their careers were ended. So if they had, you know, three hits by 1964, they had to do those three hits the rest of their lives. Yeah. You know, you know what I mean? For some reason, they just got, they got cut off. You know, there was no more career. And that's the only generation that happened to. You know, every other audience with every other generation grew right with them. I mean, Beatles and Stones were the biggest thing in the 60s. They're still the biggest thing right now. You know, Stones are still the biggest to draw live. You know, Paul McCartney is still the biggest thing in the world. You know, as it should be. Yeah. But for some reason, those guys got put out to pasture in their, you know, 30s, early 40s. You know, prime of their lives, man. That, that was the tragedy, you know. Um, more than the, more than the, you know, the early, the reason why they didn't make any money was because, you know, they, after that, they was they put on the oldie circuit and they really didn't get, get a chance to earn even as much money live as they could have, you know, if they had kept making records, you know. And for some reason, that first generation just, just didn't, you know, didn't happen for them. So every opportunity I got, you know, I wanted to remind people that these people are still around, they're still great, you know. Yeah, I mean, yeah. You, know, you know, Jerry Bonds is still great. Darlene Love's still great. Darlene Love's still great. Look at Dion. Dion's new album is, is you know, one of the best albums of his life, man. The cat's 80 years old. It's just, that's, that's, that's incredible. That's just just incredible. I mean, yeah. I, I the, the, the fact that these guys are still able to put out good music and, and be creative and, and, and do the things that they do is um, is, is fantastic, and, and hopefully there's a there's a forum for them to, to have an audience to listen to it. I mean, I remember being when I was publisher of Rolling Stone. I remember being at a when we were at the Waldorf after one of the Rock Hall um, ceremonies and talking to the surviving Ronettes and how thrilled they were to be there, but like hearing where their lives had gone, and you just like, wow, you you were you're one of the Ronettes, you know? And they like it, like to your point, it ended. When it ended, it ended. And it was yeah. trying another way to make a living. And yeah, yeah, that which we you know. I mean, Darlene Love became a housekeeper for Christ's sake. That's you know? crazy. I mean, we're literally the greatest voice in the world, as far as I'm concerned. I mean, you know, you could argue, you know, whatever Tina Turner. You could argue, you know, Patti LaBelle. You could argue Aretha Franklin. For me, it's Darlene Love. Okay. Yeah. I mean, a housekeeper. And. Uh, so I was very, very happy to finally show her some gratitude and make a make her debut album at the age of seventy three. Yeah. You know? I mean I I I in the last three months of all the people that I've talked to who are classic rockers and there's you know, it it affects those guys too. There's a lot of guys like in bands that you know, they were big for a while but they go on those tours where they're you know, they're billed with three other bands and they're playing amusement parks and whatever. These guys really need that money. They, you know, this, this is, you know, they're playing the same, you know, five, six songs every night as part of a big show, and they, they need that money. And this, this is a totally, this, this pandemic is a thing that's impacting them. And and you, you, you know, it's a, uh, oh, it's, it's, it's terrible. It's, it's absolutely terrible. I mean, uh, I, 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 I am very concerned not, not only about the artists, but uh, but even more so about the crew. Crews, man, you know the crews out there, man. They, you know, the the the, the, the 
I got to tell you the truth. There's no way. There's no. There's no way to say these things. No. You know. No. So I'm, you know that that's what worries me. Gotta be concerned, man. The whole world is going to be different. You know, and, and and not for the better. You know. No. No. So so let me ask you one question, and I'll, I'll let you go. You've been real generous with your time. You are like this, you know. I, I was I was saying to my wife before I got on the call. I said, yeah, I could talk to him forever because he's he's like this ambassador for the history of rock and roll, um, and you really are. I mean, you really the things that you've done to to keep the music in front of people and keep you know the legacy of bands alive is 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 you know it goes without question. Is there anybody you see that's sort of you know if you take picking up the torch and carrying that forward? Um, well, well, I, I was glad. I was, I was very glad to see you know Jack White um, doing doing you know some of the things that we we started doing you know which was taking some of the you know old, older artists and, and making records with them. Uh, yep. And just somebody like Tom Jones and uh, Loretta Lynn, I think. And uh, anyway, he, he's done he's done uh, several of those. I hope he keeps doing it. Yep. Because uh, that's really important, and um, you know. Any combination of old and young, I dig, you know. One of the reasons I started my record company, and, and you know, and, and I never got a chance to really do it the way I wanted to, was, was to connect all the great songwriters who were still around from the 60s with some of these young bands, you know. Uh, you know, uh, Richard Goddard uh, did it, uh, I'm going blank now, but, but, but you know, it, it happened a few times, but... Um, you know, it's almost I like that. It's almost like the basement tape thing that um, T Bone did with the Dylan, the Dylan verses. That was, right, you know, right. that, that, that idea is it's a it's a great one. Yeah, you know, because you know, a lot of the '60s people are still around and not working. You know, Shell telling me, man, one of the greatest producers of all time. You know, done very little through the years. You know, and that's just a, a shame. Um, so many, you know. And, you know, I mean, now, now maybe people get starting to get old now, but, but um, you know, they, you can't beat that combination of, of the old old wisdom and the young, you know, the young enthusiasm. So, you know, anytime that can happen, I, 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 I certainly appreciate it and encourage it. Well, um, I, I, I think that, that it's great. You're, kill, you're still going at it and doing all this. It's great for rock and roll. It's great for music. And, um, you know, and it keeps rock and roll back in the forefront. And, you know, I, I, the, the idea that, you know, that, that people are hearing bands like the Rascals again because of you um, is, is, is terrific, and, and it's a really important thing. Hey, uh, I'm really, this is my way of saying thank you, honestly. Well, thank you for this box set. This is really, um, I'm, I've been I've been spinning quite a bit lately. The 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 new Gar Jerry Garcia band record that had your your friend Clarence Clemens on it. I never knew that he had ever played with the Garcia band, and he, he just he adds that King Curtis sound to the, the music. It's just unbelievable, and I've been playing it nonstop and think driving everybody here crazy. Wait, wait, so wait, which, which album is that? So they just came out uh, last month with a, a concert from 1989. Where Clarence played with the Jerry Garcia band. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. It's dynamite. Right. Yeah. It's dynamite. It's like having King Curtis play with Jerry. It's, it's fantastic. <laughs> uh, but that's cool. That's I think I, cool. I think I pushed the boundaries with the family here uh, on that record. So I'm going to be moving over to your stuff <laughs> next. <laughs> All right. Well, switch, switch them over to mine for a while. You got it, Steve. Hey, stay safe, stay well, stay healthy, and um, uh, you too, man. Can't wait to talk oh. to you again. Always good talking to you. Take care, brother. All right. Bye-bye.
Hope you enjoyed that episode of the Goldmine Podcast. This is Pat Prince, Editor-in-Chief of Goldmine Magazine. Please go to goldminemag.com for exclusive content and all your news about collecting and a percentage-off subscription price. Also go to Books a Million, Barnes & Noble to pick up the newest issue of Goldmine. We'll see you next time on the Goldmine Podcast. With one of the best savings rates in America, banking with Capital One is the easiest decision in the history of decisions. Even easier than choosing Slash to be in your band. Next up for lead guitar. You're in. Cool. (laughs) Yep, even easier than that. And with no fees or minimums on checking and savings accounts, is it even a decision? That's banking reimagined. What's in your wallet? Terms apply. See CapitalOne.com slash bank for details. Capital One and a member FDIC. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points.